So without further ado, let's get into it. Some of these are going to be a little bit of a surprise to me, but the first one is not. Dave, I've got to come to you about this. Sean Bowen, who I think you broke the story about earlier on in the week, has picked up the ride on Noble Yates, the Grand National Hero, with a view, obviously, to going back to Aintree later on this season. Yeah, it's an interesting one, this, because, of course, Sam Whaley-Cohen uh, went out in a blaze of glory on Noble Yates at Aintree last April, and... He's the son of the owner, Robert Whaley-Cohen, and so um, he's going to be a difficult man to replace. Um, James Reevely rode Noble Yates at Oiteuil a couple of weeks ago. The horse made an early mistake and uh, was then pulled up. And just interestingly, um, the, the horse doesn't run in the Coral Gold Cup, wasn't entered in the Coral Gold Cup because of an, an administrative breakdown in communication, but does appear at Wexford tomorrow uh, in the MW Hickey Memorial Chase and Sean Bowen is on board and it's just quite an interesting thing this with regard to the jockey he's um, we, there are some riders who seem to have an affinity with the national fences and there are others that don't and Sean Bowen most certainly fits into the former category Mac Totty's win at Aintree last spring was his third over the fences and Although he's a clearly a top-class jockey, I think anyone would put him in the very uh, top bracket within the weighing room, he's also available for Noble Yates. And Robert Whaley-Cohen said that this was uppermost in his mind, the jockey's ability, his record over the fences, and his availability when it comes to Noble Yates. So it's a, it's a, every jockey, even Sean Bowen, needs those headline makers and it seems that he's got one here. Yes, the Bowen family have got a tremendous association, don't they, with the big fences at Aintree. Brother of James, obviously, Billy, who rode your first winner the other day. Yep. Is Sean a guy you admire as well and hope to use it down the line? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if Sean was going to ride one of mine, that would be yeah, fantastic. I mean, what an opportunity for him. Something to look forward to. I mean, obviously, there's going to be huge, huge um, chances for him through the season, but great to have that. In the more immediate future, he's got Wexford to look forward to tomorrow. They've got plenty of rain down there. It's going to be pretty testing going. Look forward to see how Noble Yates gets on down there. Arc Boost prize money, Dave. Tell us a little bit more about this. Relates to, I think, the Lincoln primarily. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, and indeed the the uh, the racing program at Doncaster and uh, Arc have received criticism at the um, Diverse and Futurity two-day meeting. Uh, last week, uh, Michael Dodds won a race with uh, Dakota Gold, wasn't it? And said that he felt that the prize money at the meeting on the Friday wasn't good enough. This was echoed by John Gosden, who uh, said that the 8,000 quid prize for a Group 1 card simply wasn't enough. And ARC have been uh, alive to those criticisms and, and have boosted... Uh, the money for the Lincoln will now be worth 150 grand uh, next March. That's an increase of 50%. It's worth 100 uh, before the spring mile has gone up uh, from 45,000 quid to 75,000 too. So uh, they have been listening. It does sort of beg a question, doesn't it, as to if this money was around to be introduced, why wasn't it there before? But um, as with, to their credit, with ARC, they, they, the last week here we were talking about uh, the Chester uh, Rudy ticket and also 
what ARC were doing with regard to cushioning the blow of the cost of living crisis. So at least they've acted here. And that's, I suppose that's a welcome thing for any trainer. Any trainer, any jockey, any owner, I think, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a, a big increase, isn't it? 50%. Yeah. I mean, to go from 100 to 150,000 quid for the... What's the, what's the trainer's take on, on that, Billy? Do you think, well, I'm glad it's happening, or do you think, well, where was this money before? I think, well, you've just got to be positive that it's happening. You know, any increase in prize money anywhere, any level, is, is very good. Okay, Willie Mullins is the next item on Talking Points this week. He held an open day for the media in Ireland where many of his stars were paraded, although obviously they were left out as well. That's just the nature of these things. There are so many of them down there. But the talking point we've come up with out of it, Dave, is the champion trainer's comments about 35-minute gaps between races and perhaps that maybe being too much. Now, I don't know whether we should be looking at this as a catch-all because... To me, I've been at the races on days where five furlong sprints, which are over in a flash, are then followed by a 30-minute, 35-minute gap before another one of the same on an eight-race card sometimes. And I think there is definitely scope for maybe trying to close the gap in those circumstances. But not everybody agreed with his comments, did they? No, no, they, I mean, it was, uh, there was, a, uh, I think, a, a, overstating it maybe, but a bit of a chorus of, of disagreement. Uh, with the idea. Now look, obviously there are different types of race meetings, mm. aren't there? As you say, if there are, uh, if we have a card of seven or indeed eight or nine uh, races on the flat. We haven't got to nine in Ireland yet, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll come, don't worry. Um, we'll be at ten soon. Um, the, uh, you've, if those races are run at a lowly level, then there are not loads of media commitments to satisfy and stuff like that and you can see yeah the, the let's let's be honest about it the, the all-weather cards that we we have in in Britain and I think in Ireland too why wouldn't they be 30 minute gaps I think that you know we look at, at Kempton sometimes well why is there a 35 minute gap there you know what's 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 happening between these two races however with regard to the Cheltenham festival I think there is an awful lot happening and, and Willie Mullins said that it's it's boring and that we should uh, narrow the gap to give these races a bit of a buzz. Well, I think they've already got sufficient buzz, even with the 35, sometimes 40-minute gaps. But there is a serious aspect to this, and that is, and it, and it involves us in the media. And it's, those gaps are there so that or they, they facilitate different media outlets getting what they need from trainers, jockeys, owners, and if it's, it's a massive help to us. And if you take that away and the, the trainer has to go off and get a saddle and, and um, rush off and can't talk to us, that will, that will damage racing's exposure. Yes, I think in fairness, the longer gaps, they're, they're pretty much a stable, aren't they, at the festivals and what have you, and it would be difficult to change that. But certainly scope, I think, for maybe looking at some of those smaller fixtures on their own merits, maybe with the uh, sprint races on a long afternoon of eight races with those big gaps, might be worth maybe having a look at. Let's move on then. Protector out of Plutar, the Betfair chase at Haydock is coming onto our radar. Billy, two smashing horses here, but at Plutar, it's very hard to... I suppose look back at last year's achievements by him and think that anything is going to be able to beat him this term. 
Galloping Deschamps, I know, is a potential new kid on the block. Dan Skelton, who we spoke to earlier on, has got Protector right in there, and that's what we need, I suppose, for competition. He's not fighting shy, is he? No, he's not. I mean, Plutar was so impressive, not just in the Gold Cup, but he was in the Betfair chase. He was a monster there. Um, so if he turns up there in the same form, which he's, you know, Mr. De Bromhead is, we'll have him tuned up for that. Um, what is it? Protector was 17 and a half lengths behind at the Gold Cup, but he's a year older. You know, he was only he's 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 now seven. So you know, you, we see these horses progress from six to seven. So there's some progression there. Um, but what you know, uh, Dan, go there with with him. Why not? He's the he, as he says, he's one of the leading staying chasers that we've got in England. So um, I think respect to Mr. Skelton for doing that. I know you've obviously got and your you own. Run scared of, of 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 one horse, can you? Absolutely because not. And we saw. I'd ask that yesterday, I suppose, with Goshen in the first day. We didn't get a chance to talk about that a little bit earlier on, but there were three there to take him on, even though the weights suggested he'd be up against it, and look what happened. Yeah, that's right. Um, I suppose with Goshen, you you sort of might fancy your chances to an extent, mind you, because he yeah. can either be absolutely brilliant or he can be bang average or even worse than that. But it, it's an interesting one, this, because... Um, we want part part of me thinks my goodness dan why do you want to go and take on aplutar in in november you know this horse who won that race i think by 22 lengths last year and then won the um uh the gold cup at cheltenham by 15 lengths but of course that's exactly what we want isn't it that we're, we're talking about about competition throughout the season not these paths to avoid each other um, until that's how it used to be in the old days. Though. E exactly, and 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 that's that's what we want. You know, full full marks to to Dan for this plan. It, he's in the image of his boss, isn't he? Of, you know, he's punchy. He said, "Excuse me, I'm going to read this." He said that um, uh, in terms of the three mile chasers in Britain, that Protectorat is setting the current benchmark, <laughs> and you could almost see Nichols's ears prick up, couldn't you? When <laughs> <laughs> when you, someone read that out to him, but yeah, it, it's 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 very good. This it, it it's it's something that we 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 need to see more of this, and we need for that to become the culture, as you say, as it once was in certainly in Britain, whereby there there isn't just this suspension of belief until we get to the spring festivals. We've already seen uh, a few uh, punches thrown, uh, Shishkin and Energumen. What a what, what a great race that was. It was a fantastic mm. race and okay things at Cheltenham it, it, there wasn't quite the, um, the 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 sequel that we were hoping to but wasn't that a magnificent spectacle to to be there at Ascot that day to watch. Mm. Yeah, the more rain the better I should imagine for Protectorat's Haydock bid. Neil Callan had an embarrassing moment at Kempton the other day Dave I suppose in an ideal world this wouldn't happen to someone of his experience but to his credit, I think he handled it probably just about as best he could, and maybe that is where the experience comes in. Held his hands up, more or less took the mickey out of himself afterwards. Has he done his best maybe to, I suppose, defuse the situation? A absolutely he has. I mean, uh, of course, he couldn't exactly... Mm. Short of pretending it wasn't him, <laughs> uh, he had to hold his hands up. This was say, Neil riding out a circuit, uh, yeah, finished the circuit too soon. Ballet Blanc mm. in the final race at Kempton Park on Wednesday night, which was a two-mile race, and uh, Neil Callan rushes uh, uh, Ballet Blanc to the front, running to the final furlong, uses his stick, 
and it's like, oh goodness, you know, a, a, a brain fade of one of our most experienced riders. Well, it, inevitably, this triggers a torrent of vitriol on social media, m much of it illegal, or at least actionable in a civil sense, and why that can't be sorted out once and for all. Or we know it'll cost the social media companies millions, but if you had to register your ad address or with a bank card or any meaningful um, part of ID in order to open those accounts, it would shut that down overnight and it would cost Mark Zuckerberg millions of quid. But I'm sure he'll have enough to pay the baker on Friday, um, even if we did that. But yeah, he, he came out on uh, Wednesday night, tweeted and said, my apologies. I spoke to him Thursday morning. To his credit, he, Amanda Perrett also owns Ballet Blanc and he said he offered to see trainer owner right for the expenses mm. too. You know, from a trainer's point of view, that must be, same with punters, it's an exasperating thing to see which one of us hasn't made a huge howl or a, a clangor at work. I, I know I Well, it's exactly right. I, I mean, of course, he's one of the most experienced jockeys out there, but People make mistakes. How many thousands of rides has he had and not made mistakes? Yeah, you know, and, it's, and how, he, how he dealt, dealt with it. So I think Just he, takes the heat out of it, Billy, he doesn't it? Out. Giving the connections their money back, apologising to punters, anybody affected. You'd rather it didn't happen, but... But hand, when handled like that, that's how it should be done. Just one more thing with keyboard warriors who sit behind their screens in their west, vest and wire fronts. <laughs> typing out nasty messages to people when you're having a go at Neil Callum believe me you're picking on the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> He's well able to handle himself as Neil all right okay two more talking points gambling acts Dave we're gonna have to defer to you here actions on gambling axes on my list here tell us more. Yeah just interesting this week with the with the various um, changes that have been going on in Westminster uh, that the it, it seems that the um, the review of the 2005 Gambling Act, whereby um, I think that, broadly speaking, we're talking about reining in and restricting aspects of gambling, which which we feel that, or which it is felt over the last 17 years, have become a little out of control. That it's too that problem gambling has become a bigger problem because it's easier for people to inflict self harm. Uh, via gambling, so the, um, uh, the 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 review was expected in the summer. Of course, there's been how many prime ministers have we had now? Uh, three, <laughs> isn't it? Of the last count, You've got since, no fingers on since, that hand. since July. Um, but of course, this is frustrating. At this point, we don't know the extent to which restriction the, the restrictions that will be placed, and we assume that there will be certain restrictions on sports betting, whether horse racing will be given slightly different treatment. Um, uh, Sean Trivat, who's the, the, the new chair of the Horse, Race, Horse Racing Betters uh, Forum, express, expressed his uh, dis dissatisfaction. Michael Duggar um, also did the same of, of the uh, British Gaming Council. And we're just in a limbo period at the moment, so we'll have to see what happens. It's, in any walk of life, it's nice to know where you stand. And of course, the, the the financial position of horse racing with its hand-in-glove relationship to betting, we'd like to know where we stand to. Um, the, of course, there was a um, the fact that Rishi Sunak is now in 10 Downing Street. 
could potentially be a good thing for horse racing. He's he's the MP for Richmond, which houses Middleham and Catholic Bridge Racecourse too. So one hopes that in that sense, racing has, has got someone who is sympathetic, opened a stand at Catterick, didn't he, um, very recently. So fingers crossed that we've got someone in number 10 who at least is, is uh, prepared to listen to what we've got to say. And finally, we lost a few big names from the racing world this week, some to the breeding sheds and some to the great race course in the sky. And I suppose top of that list, they would have to be Rock of Gibraltar. What a wonderful racehorse he was, I suppose, will be remembered by many for the rather acrimonious dispute between Coolmore Partners and Sir Alex Ferguson about his post-racing career. But I don't think that should overshadow anything that he did on the track, should it? He was tough as teak, multiple Group 1 winner, lived to the ripe old age of 23, I think it was. Yeah, absolutely. This was a horse who, um, he filled so many column inches, as you say, on the racing pages, but elsewhere too. And, and uh, a remarkable life, you know. That the first of all, there was the, the there were the seven Group One victories that broke a thirty-year record held by Mill Reef. Excuse me for reading my notes. It started off with what is now the Jean-Luc Lagardère at Longchamp, went through to the Dewhurst, the two thousand guineas that defeat of Hawkwing, the Irish two thousand, the St James's Palace Stakes, the Sussex Stakes against his elders, uh, then the Moulin. Uh, he was then beaten narrowly by Dome Driver in the Breeders' Cup Mile. So it was a remarkable career on the track. Uh, at Studs, uh, he he sired Society Rock, um, who was the winner of the, the Haydock Sprint, and also Mount Nelson, the Eclipse winner, and also the uh, the Dams of Kamiko uh, and Poetic Flair, the uh, the two thousand Guineas winners. So um, he he had a a remarkable career as a racehorse. Less remarkable, but notable as a stallion. But of course, the, certainly the, the tabloid interest was, as you say, as a result of that um, very newsworthy uh, tear up between uh, the, the Coolmore partners and Sir Alex Ferguson. Then, of course, manager of Manchester United ran in uh, Sir Alex's red and white starred colours. And then, of course, there was the, the fallout over what Sir Alex would be entitled to. It was all settled uh, amicably, amicably, we believe, in the end, but it was some story. It was. A couple of high-profile retirements this week as well. Princess Zoe, who was such a wonderful servant for Tony Mullins and owner Paddy Kyo. Blackbeard, of course, the star juvenile trained by Ian O'Brien, retired after picking up an injury. Have you kept an eye on their racing careers below? I don't know, do you follow the flat much? I don't follow no. it too much, but uh, Blackbeard did catch my eye. I wouldn't, want, been, wouldn't want to be the one handling him. I think I'd stick to my <laughs> national hunt horses if, I, if they were all like that. He often put on quite a show. And Dave, Gerald Cottrell passed away recently as well, who trained some very good horses, Young Inca being chief of Austin, probably. Exactly. Some, some really popular uh, sprinters, as you say. Young Inca was uh, the one that springs uh, most readily to mind, a, a very popular figure in the West Country uh, who passed away this week. And uh, his... his uh, contribution certainly in in my time of getting into racing and uh, growing up with it, or, or not with it, but getting into it. I, uh, it. Gerald Cottrell was a name that you always look for for his skill uh, with those types of of horse. Okay, those were this week's talking points.